Uh, but if you haven't, uh, Pastor Adam and Darcy Frost are the lead pastors of our latest uh, campus plant in Papakura, and they're doing a, a phenomenal job. So can we welcome up uh, Pastor Adam to come preach? Thank you, my brother, Adrian Daniel. What a hero to the people. And nine people agree with me. Amen. I'm, I'm really sorry if you came this evening expecting Pastor Steve Green. I'm disappointed as well. He wasn't doing too well, but I heard he preach, preached a great message this morning um, in the services, but I call up, kind of like, you know, some of the All Blacks waiting at home, waiting for the call up, hoping someone else gets injured. Got it. So amen. Here I am. <laughs> Um, I'm excited to preach today in part one of Church 1.0. Um, I, I heard the other day that there was a husband and wife in church, and while the preacher was preaching, uh, he noticed that the husband had fallen asleep. And so he says to the wife, what's going on here? Wake up your husband. And she says, you wake him up. You're the one that put him to sleep. <laughs> that was Pastor Adrian preaching at the time. <laughs> Let's get into it. Church 1.0. You know, the truth is, the church has been around for thousands of years, just two of them, 2,000 years. And um, ever since, it's been changing, it's been morphing, it's been stretching, it's been growing. And the church has always been about Jesus. And I hate to break it to you if you're hoping that it's going to change. It will always be about Jesus. The Word of God is the Word of God, and we will never even attempt to try and change that. But the fact is, the methodology of the church has been changing. It's not rocket science to figure out that the way we do church today is very different from the way they did church in the early days. And I know sometimes people get worked up over that, but the truth is, it's okay. In fact, you don't want it to be done like the way it was done in the early days, in, in all its respect. But the church does look very different today. And part of this series is what we want to do is we want to jump right back to the early church to have a look at some of the fundamental practices that they had in place. Because there were some really key things that the early church had in place. And what it allowed it to do was the church to explode with growth and impact billions of people around the planet. And we reckon that's pretty exciting. See, while the church has never been more impactful than it is today, it would be very naive of us to think that everything about the church, every aspect, every perspective would change with every changing generation. Because the truth is, some things just stand the test of time. Some things that worked then still work now, and it would be naive of us to think that because we're a new generation that everything needs to change. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe God is calling us to be the most creative, out-of-the-box thinking, status quo challenging, like ground-taking church. But the truth is some of these things, they truly just stand the test of time. See, when we look back, the early church had some of these base practices. And by keeping to these, the church expanded, the gospel was preached, miracles took place, and the lost were being saved every single day. A move of God swept through the known world. Now, the early church began after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected. But right before this, Jesus instructed his disciples to go to a place called Jerusalem. He said, when you get there, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He'll come and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So they did as they were told. They went to Jerusalem and they started gathering in the upper room of a building. And there they began to pray and they believed the promise and they began to wait to see what it was that God would do next. Bible says after 50 days, I don't know, I would have given up, I feel like. The disciples, that's why they're in the Bible and I'm not. <laughs> after 50 days of waiting, the, this account says that every person was filled with the Holy Spirit. Like the sound of a gushing wind came through the place, what looked like tongues of fire rested on every head and they began speaking in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Everyone there was filled with boldness. Their faith increased, they were filled with courage. And out of this, the very first church service was birthed. No doubt they shared some of the scriptures and they gave an invitation and 3,000 people gave their life to God that day. Isn't that exciting? This morning in Papakura, we had the biggest church service that we've ever had since our launch. And, and 14 people made that decision to give their life to Jesus, which is incredible. Can I challenge you to celebrate every single one of those? Every time you hear anything, oh, great, someone like entered like, life from death. Like, it, it, it deserves more than a golf clap. And I'm not saying that so that you clap for me. I don't care, but this is exciting. This is the greatest miracle we could ever read about is people's lives being changed. So anyway, that's how the sort of early church birthed into place. And in Acts chapter two, we pick up the story and continue as to see how it continued to develop from there. It says this in Acts chapter two from verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, everyone say, all the while. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we read in the scripture that they were devoted to four main things. The first one was to sitting under the, the teaching of the apostles, which would be like today's modern day pastors, sitting under their teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And these four things were foundational in the church and they were catalysts to explosive growth. I don't know about you, but I wanna be a part of a church that has explosive growth. I wanna be part of a church that's not okay with just being where we're at. It's okay to be where we're at. We can celebrate this. This is amazing. This is good news, but there is so much more that God has for us. And that's the sort of church that I wanna be a part of. And so holding these four key practices as God-breathed ideas allowed the church to explode. What happened was there was this miraculous power. There was outrageous generosity, enjoyable favor, and the lost were being saved daily. And so tonight, what we're gonna do is just take a look at the first one of these four things, that, that people were devoted to sitting under the teaching of the apostles. They were dedicated to hearing the word of God. They were relentless in their devotion in coming together. Modern day language, it would simply read like this. They were devoted to coming together for Sunday church. It's simply just like that. There was a value in gathering together with other believers. There was this hunger among the people to actually hear the word of God around other believers, right? There was this desire to hear the teachings of Jesus and to live a life that honored him. In those times to be a Christian, and to not be connected to a body of believers and to not meet regularly and, and to not sit under a church leader and to not sit under their teaching, it was unheard of. It was just simply something that they didn't do. You know, I heard a story of one day, a mother goes into her son's room and says, son, it's time to go to church. And in a grumbling state, he's all like, I don't wanna go to church today, mom. She's like, why don't you wanna go to church? He says, I'm gonna give you two reasons. Number one, they don't like me and I don't like them. And his mom says, well, I'm gonna give you two reasons that you do need to go to church. Number one, you're 59 years old. And number two, you're the pastor. <laughs> this guy, eh? 
I don't know about this guy, but I'm the opposite. I love Sunday church. I think it's the greatest thing on the planet. It is literally the highlight of my week every single week. Like you guys are counting down for the weekend, me too, but it's because I can't wait to get to Sunday church. There's just something about it. Sunday church is where I met a pretty lady that eventually became my wife. Don't you be telling me God doesn't do miracles today. Case and point. It was in this very church, in this very spot that I got married to that pretty lady. Sunday church has kept me on the straight and narrow. It's helped build my love for God. It's helped increase my faith. It was where I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Sunday church has helped me journey through trial. It's increased my love for people. It's expanded my vision and it's helped me grow in my leadership. I would not be the person I am today without Sunday church. I simply love it. And you know, the local church is the hope of the world. And Elam Christian Centre wasn't started 34 years ago by Pastor Luke and by Pastor Maryland so that we could have an institution. It was never about an organisation, but it was so that we could reach out and impact the people in our community. You know, I honestly believe that right now in this day and age, we're right in the middle of a really special move of God. And the truth is, if you're not present, you're going to miss it. If you're not present, you're gonna miss what God is doing week in and week out. Every single Sunday in all of our campuses, across every one of our services, God is changing lives. And if you're not present, you're gonna miss it. But not only for other people, if you're not present, you're gonna miss what he wants to do in your life. Week in and week out. You're gonna miss the fact that God wants to equip you to make an impact that is far bigger than yourself. Now, I'm not reluctant to to share, and I know I can speak on behalf of Pastor Bex and Pastor Steve on this, that the vision is clear. It's right in front of us. This will be a church of 4,000 people. This will be a church where no one in East Auckland could possibly live their life in this community without being impacted by somebody that calls Elam home. But here's the thing. It's not so that we can have a bigger building. It's not so that we can have more followers on Instagram. It's so that we can have bigger people. Because this community doesn't need an organization, although it's a beautiful thing, it needs bigger people. It needs God people. And and I believe that what God is calling every person in this room to be a part of is to be part of the solution that would see East Auckland transformed and turned around to be one of the most hope-carrying communities on the planet. Jesus died for his church and he's coming back for his church. But this is the truth. Until we see what this is, the way that God sees it, it will only ever be another box to tick in one of our many to-do lists. Like every person is busy. Every person has other stuff going on. If I asked you to lift your hand, if you had a busy week, it'd be like a Mexican wave. Like it would be everybody, right? Everyone has a busy week and yet God lays it out so clearly in scripture as one of the four key principles of the early church that there was something about coming together. How you see the church matters. It's either a man-made institution or it's a God-breathed strategy to save the lost and to equip you and I to actually get out and make a difference in the community that he's placed us, how we see the church matters. And I just wanna share a couple of thoughts um, in the rest of the time that we have together that my heart is that it would bring clarity as to why we at Elam Christian Center do church the way that we do it. Now, you could go down the road and there might be another church that might do it a little bit different. That's awesome. God bless them, they've been called to do that. But we know what we've been called to do. We know who we are and we know what God has placed in front of us. And I also hope that as I share a couple of thoughts, it's maybe gonna give you a bit of an insight as to how we could see church the way that God sees church. Is that okay? Um, You don't have notes because that's how it's panned out this evening. But Anyway, you can write it in your, in your phone if that's what you're up to. But the first one is this, is that um, celebration, 
unlocks your breakthrough. Forgot the wording of my own point. Amen. I do that all the time, but only at Botany. Celebration unlocks your breakthrough. Um, in the early church we read about in Acts chapter 2, do you remember there were four main things? Four main things that were key to the early church. Sitting under the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Now, these were the four main things, but did you notice in verse 47, you probably didn't, in the passage of Scripture that we read earlier, it said, all the while. Everyone say, all the while. So these were the four main things, but ingrained within that, underlying that, working in all around it, all the while they praised God and enjoyed the goodwill of the people. So while they were enjoying the teaching of the apostles and engaging in fellowship and breaking of the bread and spending time in prayer, the the underlying current under all of that is that they were praising God. They were enjoying the goodwill of the people. And the, the result of this is that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Did you know that celebration, praise, and enjoyment were foundational in the early church. And so they are deeply ingrained within who we are and our DNA here at Elam Christian Center. Amen. Next page. Everything we do on Sunday is intentional. And it's intentional because we believe that people's time matters. And so we structure our Sunday services in such a way that somebody can come and connect with God in a life-giving way, but in a way that makes sense to those that perhaps aren't too familiar with church. Why do we do that? We do that because we believe that church should be an expression of God's heart. Maybe you've read in the Bible that the shepherd would leave the 99 and go after the one. God has a perfect love for every person. It's unchanging. He can't love you a little bit or a half bit or a full amount. He doesn't love one more than the other. He has a perfect love for every person, but there's kind of like this special place in his heart for those that have not yet come home. And so everything we do, if you're asking, why do they do it this way? And and why do they say it like this? Everything we do comes from our heart to reach those that don't yet know God. And we get to be part of the search party. Did you know that celebration is about honor? Maybe you haven't thought about it that way, but celebration is about honor because when we celebrate someone, we're, we're honoring them for who they are and for what they've done. And I'm not saying life is one big celebration. That would be naive, it'd be unauthentic, I'd be lying to you, right? Life has all sorts of challenges that get chucked our way. We have good days, we have bad days, and then we have those days that are the worst days. Like life has its challenges. But can I just be honest with you? Like while that's very true, when we come together on a Sunday, we're gonna celebrate. We are gonna celebrate every moment we can possibly get. Why? Because despite what we face, we believe that God is still worthy of our honour. And so when we come and we celebrate God, what it does is it places honour on God. And when we place honour on something, it allows us to receive from it. See, there's this beautiful relationship between us coming and thanking God and lifting God up in honour and Him pouring out into our lives. Now, we don't praise Him. We don't worship Him so that we would get. It's not about coming, you know, like when you're like real nice to your parents and they're like, what do you want? You know, like, like it's not, God, oh, you're so amazing. And they're like, now where's my job? Like this, where's my pay rise? Like God can see right through that because he's God, right? It's not about that, but it's about coming into a place, into an atmosphere of faith and saying, you know what? Despite what I face, I'm gonna thank God for who he is. Oh, even though I haven't seen the miracle yet, I'm gonna thank God for what he's doing behind the scene. There is something about praising God. We celebrate because of, not so that. Let me explain that. We don't celebrate so that something would happen. We celebrate because of what has already happened. Because this is the truth. If God did nothing more, if he did nothing more for any of us, he's already done enough to warrant our praise and our worship for the rest of our lives. But God is gracious, isn't he? 
and God is good. And you find that in that moment when you come and you lift him up and you praise him, he pours out into our lives as well. You know, there's an amazing young lady who named Sam Seaton, and many of you will know Sam, um, young adult. Um, she's been part of this thing with the, uh, this campus with the, the youth and out in Papakura as well. But anyway, she's gone to Australia of all places to spend uh, a year, at least a year, doing Hillsong Bible College, uh, which is fine. Pray for her. There's many Australians there. Um, she's over there, but um, she's incredible. And I remember a little while ago when she was back in New Zealand, um, it was her birthday. And Sam's really generous, and she sort of invited a couple of handfuls of people to come together and celebrate her birthday. And so she invited us to Rainbow's End, right? Yes, we're fully grown adults. Yes, we went to Rainbow's End. Yes, it was mean, all right? Like log flume all day. Like, that's my guy, right? Anyway, here's the crazy thing. We turn up to Rainbow's End ready to celebrate Sam. Like we've come with gifts for Sam. We've come to thank her for who she is and what she means in our life and, and all of this whole thing. But then she goes ahead and arranges a gift for every person that came. She's one of those people that gives gifts on her own birthday. Who are these people? Like people like that make people like me look like horrible people, right? Can I say that God is kind of like the friend that gives gifts on their own birthday? When we come to celebrate them, when we come to church, when we come to thank Him for who He is and what He's done, out of His grace, He chooses to pour out into our life anyway. How you view Sunday church really matters. See, it may not seem like it, but everything on Sunday is thoroughly thought through. This doesn't mean that it's any less spiritual. Doesn't mean that it's any less spirit lead. In fact, I think it's honoring of people's time that we structure our Sunday services together in a way where you can come and meet with God in a meaningful way. And when it comes to praise and worship, can I say it's not about doing two fast songs to get you happy and warmed up, followed by two slow songs to get you emotional and reflective, right? That's not what it's about. I mean, I, I remember reading in my Bible that there's this moment where God instructs the Israelites to march around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, he says, go around seven times and lift up a shout of praise and the walls will come down. This is exactly what they did. They lifted up a shout of praise and then the walls came down, not the other way around. It wasn't like, God, I'm gonna wait for you to do what you said you were gonna do and then I'm gonna praise. I don't see no walls down, God, so I'm waiting before, so that happens before I can give my shout. No, they gave the shout first. They believed the promise. They praised God and the result came after. Can I say, as it was with them, the same as with us. Our praise precedes our breakthrough. Do you know the most important part in our entire service is the first 10 minutes. You know why it's the first, the, the, the first 10 minutes is the most important? Because this is the part that we Exit our own world, 167 hours in a week, you're focused on yourself, right? We come to church for maybe one hour, one hour, 10 maybe, and we come in and at least for the first 10 minutes, it's all about elevating ourselves out of what we face and putting our focus on God who is working. When we praise God, we actually take our gaze and our focus off the trial and the challenge and we're focused back on a God who loves us. This is such an incredibly important part. We all know that making it to church on time in Auckland traffic can be less reliable than spark sport, right? Like it can be real hard. Um, can, can I encourage you to make a plan to be here when the service starts? I get that life can chuck us a curveball. On any given day, on any given morning, like everything's going sweet, and then all of a sudden it's like the devil has come to rob, to kill and destroy, not today. Like I get that we have days like that, 
But when you come, come early, when you make a plan to be here 10 minutes early, you know what you can do? You can grab a coffee. You can connect with someone. You can walk across the room and meet someone that you haven't met before because it's actually not about us and what we can receive, but inviting other people to be part of the family. And then you can position yourself for breakthrough. And can I encourage you to pray a two-minute prayer before you turn up? Is it like, oh, it's you know five to five. The service starts in five minutes and I live 15 minutes away. Like, let's go. Like, get here early. Position yourself. Pray that you would meet with God and don't just put it as another tick box like on your many things to do. Like actually believe that the local church is the hope of the world and that God wants to meet with His people in this place. You know, when we come into an atmosphere of faith and we lift up the name of Jesus, we're elevating our gaze outside of our challenge and our struggle and we're reminded that God is still alive and working today. This is the most important part because it's where we separate the challenges that we face from the God that we serve. And we're reminded that everything's going to be okay. You know, sometimes people say, well, I didn't really get anything out of the message or I still haven't seen breakthrough come in my life. Maybe true, but did you turn up with an attitude of celebration and praise or did you just turn up ready to receive? Was your presence in the room about God or was it actually about you? What does the Bible say? It says, enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Why do we start with praise? Because the Bible says clearly enter his courts. Enter his courts. Come in from the very first moment into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. You know what it doesn't say? Uh, enter his courts with a, with a Starbucks coffee and a consumerist attitude. Enter his courts. I'll just walk in when I'm ready and God will do his thing. And yeah, okay, when's the preach gonna start? Because that's really what I came for. And Praise and worship is one of the most significant parts that we do. Like the word is good, the word is amazing, but you know, you can actually read the word at home, but there's something about corporate faith together. There's something about corporately lifting up the name of Jesus as the faith around begins to build an atmosphere that begins to shift something within us. Can I say this? If you're missing the praise, you're missing the point. If we're missing the praise, we're missing the point. Sunday church is amazing and we will always build it on celebration. Amen? One more thing. Are you ready? All right. Number two is atmosphere can't be downloaded. Atmosphere can't be downloaded. The early church that we read about in Acts chapter two, they seem to have such a hunger about coming together to hear the word of God because something happened when they came together. Like something happened, something shifted. There was something about a collective rising in faith when they met in the name of Jesus. In fact, even Jesus said, when you gather at least two or more in my name, there I will be among you. What's he saying? It's his promise to say, I will bless people when they're in the same room together for my purposes. And we live in a world where everything can be downloaded, right? Like we can enjoy everything from the comfort of our own home. Like you no longer have to go to Blockbuster and waste two hours like trying to find a movie. Now you can waste two hours at home flicking through Netflix. <laughs> but at least you can do it in your comfy pants, right? <laughs> and if you live in Papakura, you would have gone to the Blockbuster in your comfy pants anyway. That's how we roll. <laughs> you can download the most incredible podcast sermons. Not quite as good as you'd get here, but the most incredible ones. You can download amazing worship songs from some of the best bands across the world. You can download Bible commentaries and study guides, but you know what you can't download? Community. There is just something about being in the room. Don't be surprised at this. Like, of course this is the case. 
Because God's plan A for rising you up and equipping you and sending you out to make a difference has always been the local church. In fact, in Hebrews 10, there's a strong scripture that really challenges us to hold tight to this. It says in chapter 10, verse 23 to 25, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Don't give up. Don't lose your passion. Don't lose your side of it. Don't lose your devotion to coming together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know the word church literally comes from the word ecclesia, which means when translated means the gathering of the believers. So well, I don't have to be a Christian. I don't have to be in church to be a Christian. Thank God for that. Thank God it's not based on our attendance, right? Thank God that it's only based on his grace in our life and nothing else. But can I say that when you're distant from the body, it's like a hot coal that's removed from the fireplace. You may start out hot, but you'll only get cooler and cooler over time. Like it's okay and we should be meeting with God in our homes. We should be meeting with God in our private time, absolutely. But that is not the church. The church by definition is the gathering of believers together. You know, a little while ago, a week and a bit ago, we had conference, right? One conference, anyone come to that? That was mean, I like that. It's a really weird, uh, unique, awesome experience for Darcy and I because it was the first year that we were sort of split in between the youth sessions and the adult sessions, right? Um, before I carry on with my story, I just want to honor Joanne for doing an amazing job. She led, Joanne oversaw all of the youth sessions, 500 teenagers and youth pastors and leaders from across the country. You're a boss, honestly, you smashed it. It's not fair to be that good so early, okay. <laughs> anyway, we, we heard that it was going well, and, and Darcy and I, we started off here at the adult sessions, and we heard that like 500 teenagers, like making new mates, like worshiping God, like amazing stuff happened. We heard that God was doing incredible things in people's lives, and it was amazing, and it smelt like teenager everywhere. Like, we were informed. We were uh, intellectually told about what was happening in a particular space. And I tell you, when you've done youth ministry long enough, you know, that's a smell you'll never forget. And so we knew about it, but can I tell you, it was only when I turned up and I walked back into the room, I was like, mm, 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 mm. there it is. All, all the teenagers along the front, and they're all like, oh, there it is. I'm like, it's the waft, that's what it is. I don't know where, what it is and where it is, or where it's coming from or who's guilty, but there it is. I knew about it, but it's only when I was in the atmosphere that I was shifted. <laughs> it's only when I actually turned up to be in the room that something happened. I remember when I started coming to church as a 19-year-old. I sat right there as I watched hundreds of people lift their hands, sing out to God, cry out to Him, worship Him, joy on their face. And I remember sitting there not believing in God, thinking Christians were delusional, going, what is going These people cannot believe this. But can I tell you, as I stood, as I sat, as I... But of both, in that spot over there, while people worshipped in this very room, something started to shift with inside me. Something started to happen and it exposed me to an atmosphere where I experienced something that I've never experienced before. It was the powerful manifest presence of God. Because yes, you can encounter the Holy Spirit in your bedroom, at home in your lounge, when you're out on a walk, and we should do those things. That's absolutely amazing, but I don't know exactly why it is. And I can't rattle off a whole bunch of scriptures for you, maybe just a couple, but 
there is just something about coming together that moves the hand of God. There is something that pleases God's heart when we come together because the Bible says iron sharpens iron, right? Like together we are stronger. And it's not about having a holy little huddle, but it's about coming together, be reignited and refired up and equipped to get out and make a difference. The faith we have adds to the atmosphere. And I'm not talking about a weird like mystical energy in the room, but I'm talking about an observable, identifiable faith. In Acts chapter 14, verse eight to 10, there's a story. It says, while they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way since birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening to Paul as he preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped up to his feet and started walking. He must have been leaning forward. He must have been engaged. He must have been chucking out the Pentecostal, come on, brother, encouragements, because there was something about his presence that made it obvious that he had faith. Pastor Steve, the lead pastor who's away because he's not too well at the moment, preaches an incredible message on this called the posture of faith. I don't have time to go deeper on that, but if you wanna hear more on, on why that's so significant, go search it up on our podcast channel. But there was something about the way that this man was present in the room. He was leaning forward. He had faith. Band, you guys can join me. There's this other historical account, and many of you, if you've been in church for a while, would have heard it, um, and it's where a bunch of friends have a crippled friend that they want to get to the healing power of Jesus. What you've got to understand about the story is that's easier said than done. These, these friends have their crippled friend, and they want to get him into the room where Jesus is, but he's in a house, and there's a whole crowd around, so they can't get in. And so they're standing there with their friend and they, and they wanna get inside and they see the crowd and they go, ah, it looks, looks a bit too difficult. This time we'll try again next week. You're nodding, Jess, but you're an ELC intern. That's not what happens in the story. <laughs> now that's not what happens. The friends do have a crippled friend that they wanna get to the healing power of Jesus. There is a house that Jesus is in and there is a huge crowd that makes it difficult. But as they stand there on the outside and they realise it's difficult, they say there must be another way. There has to be another way to be present. There has to be another way to get into the room. And so they carry their friend up onto the roof. They cut a hole and they lower him inside. And when Jesus sees the faith of the friends, he says to the crippled man, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. And he's miraculously healed. You know what the story tells me? It tells me two things. Number one, when we bring the faith that we have into the room, it's a catalyst for somebody else's breakthrough. You being here present in the room carries so much more purpose than just yourself. And the second thing it tells me is that there was a hunger to overcome the obstacles in order to be present. Do you have that same hunger and desire to be in the room? That same hunger and desire to gather around the other believers? Like, is this just a couple of sing-alongs and an entertaining message? Or is it the very strategy that God implemented to bring heaven to earth? Is this the very place that your faith will be built up, that your community will be formed, that your hope will be restored, that your gifts will be developed and your life would be used for something bigger than yourself? Man, I love Sunday church. It's all these different cultures coming together. It's the joy of celebration. It's inspiration and hope. It's leadership development. It's generations learning from one another. You know, the church is just like you. Imperfect, but beautiful. It's not perfect because it's made up of imperfect people. And yet it's the perfect thing that each of us need to connect with the God who made us, to be encouraged by other believers, 
that can spur us on to take our next step. Jake Colson said this. He said, one of the most significant lessons that Jesus taught his disciples was to stop looking for God's life in the regiment of rituals and rules. He came not to refurbish religion, but to offer them a relationship. Sunday church has never been about an organization, an institution, or an event. And it has always been about you and I connecting with the God who made us in an atmosphere of faith and expectation. Come on, we're gonna pray. I invite you to close your eyes. I'm gonna pray for just one group of people tonight. And it's a group that I've had on my heart as I shared this this morning and as I've shared this now. It's those that you would say, I've been in church for a little while and church is my thing. Like it's part of my routine. I come week in, week out. But if I was to ask you a different question that would supersede that question, it's, is Jesus the center of your life? Because God didn't die for you just so that you could be part of a group, but He died for you that you would have relationship with Him. And in just a moment, I'm gonna communicate an invitation, but it's not an invitation from me, it's an invitation from God to you. And I really feel like you need to know this, that tonight God wants you to know that there is nothing more you need to do to start a relationship with Him except offer your surrender in this moment. Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has chosen our own way above God's way and this separates us from a perfect God. But God in His endless love for you decided that that cannot stay. So He sent His Son Jesus to die so that He would take upon the punishment for your sin and for my sin so that when we accept that that happened, when we acknowledge that and invite Jesus into our life, He no longer sees our imperfection, but He sees the perfection of His Son in us. And in this moment, we're made brand new. Released from any bondage, peace comes upon our life and purpose enters our hearts. And I wanna pray a prayer in just a moment. If you're sitting here, I don't care if you've been in church all your life. My question today is, is Jesus the center of your life? And if He's not, you are just one prayer away from entering into a brand new life and relationship with Him. I'm gonna pray it out loud. You pray this with everything you've got in your heart. Say, dear God, I acknowledge that I've gone my own way. I've sinned and this separated me from you, but Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and rose again three days later to bring freedom to my life, to connect me with my Father in heaven. And so right now, God, I ask you to forgive me. And I thank you that you do. I thank you that you've got a plan and a purpose for my life. And God, I can't make sense of it all, but I choose to trust you in this moment. From this moment, I declare I am a child of God. I'm gonna ask you to do one brave thing in just a moment. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna stand you up. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. I'm gonna acknowledge it. You can put it straight back down. If you prayed that prayer, if you meant it, I want you to be nice and brave. I want you to lift your hand in three, two, one, go now. Awesome, thank you, awesome. Is there anybody else? You prayed that prayer, you meant it. At the back there, amazing, two ladies, incredible. You can put your hands back down over here, awesome, awesome. Anybody else, you prayed that prayer, you meant it. Today is your day, you wanna get your life right with God. Thank you at the front here, also in the middle of here, thank you. Is there anyone else? Yes, another one, awesome. Anyone else, you prayed that prayer, you meant it. Today is your day, you get your life right with God, you leave here different, over by the sound desk, thank you so much. We're gonna wait just a couple more moments. Thank you, God. God, I thank you for every hand that was raised. It doesn't represent just a hand, but it represents a transformed life and a brand new start. I pray, God, that as a family, we would get around these people. We would support them. We would encourage them. And you would begin to download to their, these people 
what their very next step is. We thank you that you're a God that changes lives and we can easily celebrate that today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together and celebrate? Whole bunch of hands, giving their life to Jesus. Awesome, awesome. Can we, church, can we thank Frosty for that incredible message? I really feel like I made the right decision to come to church tonight. Definitely answered a few questions. That's so good. Hey, can I invite everyone to, uh, to find one of these orange Connect cards? It would have started on your seat, might have fallen off. You might even be sitting on it. Um, if you prayed that prayer tonight and you meant it and you put up your hand, 